Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dragon Mark Symphony here on Natural One Media. My name is Dylan. I'll be your DM for the evening. And I'm here with all my friends. Uh, as we kick right back into it, uh, last time that we had met up, our adventuring party was deep down in the sewers, uh, where they had sort of gathered around a ladder leading back up to the surface. Deep down uh, in the sewers. Deep we're, down in the sewers. We're down uh, in the pits quite literally. After the after a little bit of investigating, uh Silva floated up to the surface and came into contact with two uh humanoid figures who turned out to be uh guards for the King's Citadel, which was a happy coincidence because that was where they were intending to go. But boy, were we not happy about it after about five minutes of this, or especially with Set, not having him after five minutes of conversation. <laughs> some, tense, some tense negotiations followed uh, before <laughs> Caspian Durant uh, was able to calm down the situation. Uh, and the party was reminded that Caspian does in fact have a last name. <laughs> Which I did remember. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Didn't actually come to you, which is the best way. That's great. Do you remember what Vron's last name was? What? <laughs> I think Absolutely Vron... Not. Uh, Our players <laughs> made their way into the King's Citadel, led in by the guards, uh, where they were brought to sort of like a war room, a gathering room, uh, filled with people, all kinds of representatives, um, all gathered around this massive table with this magically produced layout of the nearby Broken Blade Castle. And it was at this table, at the head of the table, uh, stood a man referred to as Vron, uh, who seemed to be sort of leading uh, the the planning and the strategy that was going on, the strategery, uh, in figuring out how they're going to rescue the king, as well as the uh, rest of the royal family and the hostages who are currently being held inside the castle right now by the Rogue War Forged. Uh, there were many discussions about uh, the travels that you all had taken, uh, where you had gone and the information that you had uncovered along the way and how it correlated with uh, the information that the Citadel had. Uh, and then additional help was deemed necessary, and one Cassowary Dubois was summoned uh, to this war room uh, to provide additional information about the castle's construction. Uh, with Cassowary present, he revealed that at some point during a restoration project for the castle uh, years ago, uh, there was the possibility that a secret door had been installed into the northern wall of Broken Blade Castle uh, under uh, strict scrutiny and potentially approved by Three, uh, who is a uh, warforged that has acted as sort of the right hand of the king for a long time and who seems to be uh, responsible for this sort of takeover by the other Warforged. Uh, However, as the conversation continued, uh, the adventuring party's attempt to probe further 
into the intentions of Cassowary's uh, colleagues, uh, whom they had had the opportunity to meet uh, at the Vel- at the Velvet Curtain, uh, resulted in Cassowary becoming very caged and uh, very nervous and not wanting to say too much more out of fear of reprimand. Uh, with time ticking away uh, and the seriousness of the issue at hand, uh, Ron gave approval of some sort to Caspian, who produced a small silvery metallic device in hand uh, and activated it. And upon doing so, the entire room was washed in this bright, brilliant white light uh, that completely obscured everyone's vision. Uh, of everything around them. And that is where we had left off. So. Can we see? This light encapsulates all of you. You cannot see anything but blinding whiteness. Uh, you cannot even see each other. It's like right now. For, for all you're aware of, you are completely alone in this moment. Uh, you feel a ringing in your ears uh, as if an incredibly loud noise has just gone off and nearly fractured your eardrum. Uh, your heads feel fuzzy, discombobulated. It's difficult to kind of make sense of anything. What's the floor? What's the ceiling? There's nothing around you to use as a reference point. It's just all bright light. And then the world sort of fades in and reconstructs itself around you. And as it does, you are able to see what begin as shadows, but then sharpen uh, detail takes further clarity. And you begin to see your fellow adventuring partners sort of appearing around you. And as the world around you is sort of thrown into sharper relief, uh, you find that you are in uh, what appears to be a very large room. Um, Extremely large, with a magnificent crackling fireplace uh, on the back wall. uh, Enormous mantle over top. Uh, lined with, like, all kinds of, like, artifacts and trophies and uh, what appear to be, like, illustrated images that have been framed behind glass. Uh, Indeed, these images line the walls uh, along with what appear to almost be, like, trophy heads of monsters and beasts of all sorts that have been hunted. the ceiling is vaulted and it stands 20, 25 feet up in the air, uh, almost cathedral-like. The room laid out before you uh, houses several chairs, uh, something that almost appears to be akin to a fainting couch, uh, a couple glass ornate tables, uh, covered in various potpourri and items, uh, 
and sitting in some of these chairs are a small group of people. Uh, one of the people, uh, a woman, bluish tinged skin, blonde hair, uh, looks up from a long piece of rolled out parchment, uh, on which a magical autonomous quill is sort of dancing away. Uh, she looks up at the other people that are seated. So, remind me again where the other packages are coming from. Across from her, a, uh, an older gentleman, uh, hair sort of slicked back, bit of a, bit of a cuff, uh, chiseled face, uh, sort of slouched forward, one hand resting on an ornate cane. Uh, with an eagle's head on the top of it, uh, leans forward and says, Yes, well, uh, the rest of the packages are supposed to be coming in from House Orion uh, in the following spring. Uh, we'll be able to put them with the rest of them in the bunker, uh, and then uh, from there we can actually begin moving uh, the potion stack uh, westward. Uh, the plan is to keep to the westward route, uh, but if we need to, we could, of course, break south uh, if we want to avoid any of the crossroads. Uh, the woman just sort of nods politely while the quill continues to scribble frantically away at the parchment. Um, at this moment, there is a heavy knock on a door. Uh, and as you all turn to look, you realize now that there is, in fact, a door on the opposite end of the room. Uh, a massive double door. Uh, and you see as it opens wide a uh, an orc dressed uh, almost in like tuxedo fare. Uh, very well dressed, smock coat, long tails. Uh, Opens the door and bows deeply and says, Master Landis, your other guests have arrived. Uh, and Horak Landis looks up uh, and says, oh, Yes, let them in, let them in, please. Uh, there is much to discuss after all. Uh, and you see a few people walk in through these large doors. Uh, the person at the front is a younger gentleman, uh, tall, looking fairly dignified, well-dressed, but nothing too flashy. Um, you recognize the sorrowfulness of his features, the darkened shadows under the eyes, the swept-back hair. Um, and trailing shortly behind him is another woman, um, Triton, uh, wearing a beautiful dress, uh, large pillowy shoulders to it, um, uh, 
sort of a pale pink in color. Uh, she clutches a enormous uh, bag that has like sort of like a reptilian skin uh, to it. Uh, and behind her, there is a small, uh, a small gentleman, uh, beard, slightly unkempt hair, uh, glancing around very nervously, uh, taking in all the details as he walks. Uh, the three of them walk forward uh, and eventually take some of the unoccupied seats uh, around the fire. Uh, as Landis looks to them all, uh, sort of a surly smile uh, on his face. Ah, friends, 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 it is good to see you again. It has been too long now. What is it, a month, two months? I have lost track of time. The, uh, the Triton woman speaks. Her voice is something of a gurgle. Yes, well, perhaps you should invite us more often, Landis. We were beginning to suspect that you did not want to enjoy our company any longer. <laughs> oh, nonsense, nonsense. Oh, Cassandra, you know that it is always a delight to be in your company. And, uh, Sander, it is good to see you. No longer skulking about. Uh, Sander Toxley makes eye contact with Landon. Yes, always good to meet with friends, especially in times such as these. Old friends and new. Uh, and the second gentleman, uh, sort of still kind of looking around, taking everything in. Uh, says, oh, uh, is that, that might must be my cue. Uh, hi, uh, Cassowary Dubois. It is a pleasure to, to finally meet you, Mr. Landis. Uh, I've, I've heard so many amazing things about you, of course. Uh, Landis says, uh, yes, Mr. Mr. Dubois. He reaches a hand out, uh, and Cassowary sort of hesitates for a moment and goes, uh, yes, <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Um, Landis says, Welcome to my humble abode. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know it's fantastic. Um, so oh, I, hate I understand. I understand that the three of you have been rather busy. Uh, I have been hearing the darndest things uh, from the university about some of your work. What's this about you expanding out an entire wing for under 10,000 platinum? Surely you're selling your talent short, my good man. Uh, Cassidy says, oh, you, you have to understand. See, uh, the, the expansion of the wing is actually going to allow for uh, the addition of more floors to the library, uh, which is very important to the university itself, and the... Uh, well, the, the, the president of the university has assured me that uh, if uh, significant contributions can be made, uh, they could perhaps put my name uh, in one of the wards of the library. Uh, it would be uh, such an honor uh, to have that. Uh, of course, the, 
the real reward is the work itself, but to be recognized for my uh, contributions would, would be quite lovely. Um, and as this conversation is happening, I want all of you to make an insight check. Natural 20. Yo. Nice. Uh, uh, 10. Or a total of 21. Uh, natural 11. Nice. <laughs> natural 8, 10 with uh, my bonuses. Damn. Oh, it's a natural 10, uh, so 11. <laughs> 19 total. Okay. But what's the natural? <laughs> <laughs> Silva. Uh, you recognize, as you speak to your popo, um, that none of the people in the room have taken notice of any of you yet, which is odd because you're standing about three feet away from them. Uh, they're fully immersed in their conversation. None of them have looked in your direction to acknowledge you in any way. Um, the other odd thing is that when the three people, uh, Sander, Cassandra, and Cassowary walked over to take a seat, they walked through Nathaniel. You're, you're pretty confident that it wasn't just like a trick of the light. It seemed like they walked through Nathaniel. I mean, really easy. He's a 2D cutout. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. So, you... Like, we were brought here and under, like... Because obviously, like, we were just in a fucking war room. I uh, do have more. Huh? I do have more. Okay. Um. Set. Yes. With the 21... Uh, two things. One, the world, the room that is being presented around you is a very deep, dark maroon color. Uh, the walls are dark brown. Uh, there are these incredibly uh, large, sweeping velvet curtains uh, draped across all the windows. Uh, the room itself is very dark and uh only the fire in the fireplace is what's giving most of the light uh but there's something to the room and to your vision that is also this kind of maroon tint like you're it's like you're viewing everything through like a shoddy instagram filter it's like really tinted in a strange way uh the second thing you catch is Caspian. Uh, Caspian has moved from where you all are standing uh, and has gone over to uh, a couple of nearby dressers uh, and like a writing desk over on the wall uh, and has started looking at everything. He is, he's kind of like, it looks like he's like actively searching for something. He's frantically looking through uh, everything that's there. 
And he doesn't seem to be paying any mind to the conversation that's happening. All right. Um, I'll go up by where Caspian is and just kind of Caspian, can we help you look for something? Uh, I want some of you to keep paying attention to the conversation. Uh, documents. We want to look for documents. Anything that they kept out in the open. We won't be able to open any of the drawers. But if there's anything they left out in the open, anything that's visible, we, you know, any kind of evidence, maybe previous contracts, blueprints, anything of the sort. Um, let's see. Uh, he he looks over his shoulder. Yes, Dak. Um, Prince Caspian, is this a dream? Uh, no, not not quite. We're currently in. God, I, I wish I had more time to explain. I know this is cliche. Uh, we're currently inside of Cassowary's memories. We have about two more minutes. Uh, shit. Okay, I will then start like opposite end of the room from where Caspian is start helping him with the investigation and just say everyone else pay attention to the conversation uh I'm going to help Caspian look for these documents Dak is going to go up to Caspian's head and just start sticking his hand in it I'm presuming um you like a ghost your hand uh just goes right through without any resistance 30-20 you you don't you feel nothing. It's it's literally just like putting your hand through a projector room. Uh Dak just keeps doing that while listening. Uh you said twenty-three? Uh dirty twenty. So dirty twenty. Uh you look around the walls, uh you see, you know, dozens of portraits of like different people all throughout the years. Some of them seem to have been commissioned portraits of uh Landis himself, uh as he is sort of you know, going through all these different activities that he's done over the years. Um, you see uh, medals of achievement for his time in the last war, um, letters of mark, uh, certificates, all all kinds of things that he sort of adorned this, this room with. Uh, you do see a, uh, a commissioned illustration. Uh, it is... Landis in full military gear uh, with several medals that are pinned to his chest. Uh, he is standing and posing with sort of like a, like a stock smile, uh, hand in hand uh, with a very tall warforged, uh, wearing, you know, these heavily armored pauldrons, uh, heavy set armor over top. Uh, similarly, with medallions uh across the uh the chest that you recognize to be uh three sure uh and there is a caption uh written underneath in cursive uh that reads comrades in arms uh eight years strong interesting Uh, the rest of you, uh, the conversation continues uh, as Cassowary has been explaining sort of the the benefits of this additional, what this additional wing is going to do for the library of the Borgrave University. Um, the conversation drifts a little bit. Uh, the Triton 
Cassandra speaks up. Uh, she says, You know, I have a cousin who works in the library, has done so for multiple years now. She was saying that there is rumor uh, that the royal family will be taking away some of the grants provided to the university uh, and putting it towards defense contracts. Uh, have you heard anything of this, Landis? Uh, and Landis sort of the eyebrows furrow a bit, uh, and he goes, uh, <clears throat> Well, I can't say I have myself, though that does sound very worrying. Uh, I reckon perhaps Emerson may know a thing or two about that. But alas, he is on holiday at the moment. Um, I don't think it's entirely out of the question. After all, we are still in post-war times, if not in wartime, and there is always the possibility that the enemy will take this opportunity to counterattack. I imagine that the royal family is just as paranoid as many of us are. Anyone who fought in the war really is, uh, well, let's just say that most of us sleep with one eye open nowadays. It's called trauma. Uh, Cassowary Dubois says, oh, you know, in the library is not the, the only thing that I'm working on, you know. Uh, you gotta keep yourself busy. I have many, many uh, projects that I'm working on. I have several blueprints outlined. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say anything, but there is a contract that uh, recently came across my desk. Uh, that I found very interesting, and I may pursue it. Uh, and Landis says, I'm assuming that this is for, uh, the commissioner, the, the local. Uh, and Cassowary, there's like a, a gleam in his eyes, and he says, Think higher, actually. Uh, and Landis, in eyebrow, cocks, and he goes, Oh! Are you telling me you might be doing a construction for the royal family? Uh, and Cassowary says, again, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say too much. I've already said too much, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, it's a private business, you know, I, the, the clientele must be able to keep their secrets. Uh, and Landa says, have you tried any of my wine? Uh, and Cassowary says, your wine? Uh, yes, uh, I got it bottled. Uh, amazing the things that you find in the jungle. Uh, uh, death there, death Uh, and the orc, uh, the doors swing open and the orc steps in. Yes, uh, death fetch me my finest 17th from the cellars, please. Uh, the vintage, uh, it's a special. Uh, death goes. Yes, sir. Bows very deeply and closes the door behind. Uh, set. Yes. You continue your search around the room. Uh, you see 
on a cabinet. Uh, very small cabinet, shoulder height. Uh, you see that there is a bundle of letters sitting on the cabinet. Uh, envelope. Uh, they have already been stamped with a wax seal. Uh, if you would like, you could uh, try to read them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know it. We, we can't interact with them, but they're just sitting out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'll I'll definitely go over there and I'll like I'll have had like a small piece of parchment out and like something to like just to jot like quick like shorthand notes on, just to um, keep track of anything. The writing on these envelopes is. Uh... It's difficult to read. It's very quickly written. uh, Very articulate script. So I will need you to make a perception check for me to see if you can decipher. Sure. That is an eight. Okay. Uh, You are able to... A couple of the envelopes, unfortunately, you're not able to quite make out what it is that they're saying. Uh, there's a weird fuzziness that's kind of coming over you. Uh, two of the envelopes, though, you are able to make out. Uh, both of them, the, uh, the provider is, uh, Horak Landis, uh, and so it is labeled as such, Horak Landis. Uh, but the recipient is different. Uh, on one of the, the envelopes, the recipient is uh Kettleberg Van Horton Hmm Interesting The second envelope is addressed to Victoria Skeevel. And I'm afraid those are the only envelopes you get with that role. It's hard to say anything with that one. Anything can be involved with that one because she is just literally... I don't think she would only ever be on her own side. (laughs) Well, I, I think I think I think really what that what this is pointing to is actually more so uh, like when we were first like when we first heard of this group of people, they were getting into like the uh, like the property owning management trying to like take over like more and more properties and stuff. So it was probably reaching out being like, hey, I want to buy like your your area. I want to you know, do stuff like that. That's an, that's a sure. Yeah. Big possibility. Oh yeah. Sure. <laughs> Regarding, even if she was, even if there was like somehow an implication that she could be involved in this, it would just be like, to what end? <laughs> what are her motivations? Does she even remember? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> would know. <laughs> Uh, 
back to the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, the Triton woman, Sander and Landis, sort of lean forward slightly. Uh, all of them now focused on Cassowary. Uh, as Landis says, Well, come on now, speak up. Details, details. Tell us what you have in mind. Uh, and Cassowary, he kind of looks around nervously. Uh, again, you can tell that he's very, this is his first time being in this residence. Uh, and he is obviously eager to impress. Um, so he sort of, you know, he's looking around and he goes, How familiar are you with secret doors? And as he says this... Can't believe it. Who would have thought? (laughs) Something happens. The world around you begins to melt like paint falling off of a canvas. It becomes smudged, blurry. The world underneath you is giving away as the world above collapses upon you but it's doing so slowly uh caspian looks up from where he's been investigating and goes this this isn't supposed to happen this is new this is new and you see the image of him fade uh nathaniel from where he was listening to the conversation, uh, turns and looks to everyone. Right. So this is the duo. And he too is smudged and faded away from reality. Front row. Uncle, no. I need the rest of you. (laughs) I need the rest of you to roll a d10. To try to hang on to this reality for as long as you can. Oh. Seven? Six? Ten? Oh, oh. One. He's gone. <laughs> Set. Yes. You look up from the envelopes, turning back around to see the room again. And as you do... Everything you're seeing smears as you look. You lift up your hand, and the hand creates a smear that stays in place in front of you. You begin to move, desperate to call out to the rest of the group to say something. But before you can, the rest of you see Set fade from existence. It's like Set's going to set this one up. Good night, everyone. (laughs) Johannes. Yes. You have one action, and I will allow you five words.
one action and five words to just do anything while we're here? You have you have enough time to do something in action. And remind me what's in front or of me. Or say five words. Okay. And remind me what's in front of me right now. Uh, you are still a few feet away from the gathering of chairs and couches. Um, sort of standing right, right next to you. You're, you're right by where Nathaniel was before he disappeared. Okay. Um... Can I, like, make, like, an investigation roll to just, like, see if I see one last thing or, like, read anything else quick before I have to vanish that, like, maybe we didn't while we were just, like, listening in? Go ahead and make an investigation roll. It'll be your last. Uh, ten. <laughs> I'm very ominous about that. It right will be your last. It you, last. uh... <laughs> If you could, if you could check one thing in this room, what would it be? Um, maybe the table. Okay. Uh, you run forward to try to get a glimpse of anything that's on the table as soon as you possibly can. Uh, you see, um, there's this large plate of like charcuterie. Uh, that's been laid out for the evening. There is uh, newspapers stacked up. There is uh, a couple of scrolls, random notes. Um, a uh, what almost appears to be like a leather-bound, like uh, almost like a photo book, uh, stuffed to the brim with illustrations. Can I grab uh, that? You reach for it, and as you do, your hand fades through it. Damn. Uh, but you're able to see a title uh, printed upon it. Um, that is... Uh, Magnifique Dragon. Magnifique Dragon. But you can't see anything else because as you lunge for the book, the world comes up to meet you and it's all melted and washed and faded. Uh, and the remaining members of the party see Johannes fall through the floor, reappear falling through the ceiling. And then fade out halfway down, becoming mm. nothing. Johannes is gonna set this one out. <laughs> Silva. Yeah. <laughs> you have enough time for one action or five words. Um. Okay, so, like, when it comes to the secret door thing, they've just been, like, they've just been talking about it. They didn't ever, like, pulled anything out or anything, right? Yeah, everything, 
everything that I'm describing is happening almost immediately. Well, like, had we after noticed that there the other. they had like there was any type of like documents or stuff on just like the table by the conversation? You could you could check the table for your action if you wanted to. Well, I just wasn't sure if they were going over stuff during this conversation. They had not picked up anything from the table. Yeah, during the conversation. Yeah, I was more spot like were they like being like so no. Uh, okay. Well, one of them writing into a book. Uh, yes. Uh, there was a woman there. There was a woman present. Um, blue tinged skin, blonde hair, who had a large parchment with her, and a quill was autonomously writing. On- I shall take this moment. Last moment. I was so I was trying to focus so, super hard on the actual. Oh, gonna leave the snooping. Yeah. So, so now, yeah, see and read what is on the bo- in the book. What is the quill writing? What should I roll for that? What's Quill doing? This will be an investigation. What the dog doing? What the Quill doing? I want to uh, That's 25? You see Johannes fall through the floor and then from the ceiling and disappear. But you did catch what he was trying to reach for. And that gives you the time you need to rush forward and scan the table. The large leather-bound book, he only caught some of the title, Magnifique Dragon. You are able to catch the rest. Cubaran Outpost. Like that's just the title. Magnifique Dragon, Cubaran Outpost. Is it kind of like Crashing Tiger, Hidden Dragon, with a comma in the middle? You do not know. That's all I'm able to read from it? No. Oh, okay. I mentioned before, <laughs> I'm just giving you a chance to write things down. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned before that there was a stack of newspapers on the table as well. The top newspaper shows an image of a burning building. With a sensationalist headline. Manor aflame. Possible. On Darren attack suspected. It is a copy of the Corvair Gazette. And it is dated 
991YK. Nine nine one, not YK. 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 Okay. Biggest thing I can give this flashback is got it to my. Uh, Praise gratification of suspicions. <laughs> Deck. Mean. In what feels like second, you watch as one by one every member of your party smears out of reality like oil paint and disappears. All that is left is you and Silva. And as Silva glances down observing something upon the table you see her wing bleed into the sky becoming long and extended branching out like tree trunk I don't feel so good as she turns back from the table the limbs remain in place and the body extends outward and rotates creating almost like a starfish pattern of pale white Your last vision of Silva is akin to that of a butterfly that has been pinned to a board, spread apart. You blink again and she's gone. And you are alone in this room. The walls continue to degrade and crumble down around you. As they do, as reality falls away, you are able to make out just a little bit more of the conversation at the desk or at the table. Uh, cassowary leaning forward, eyes glimmering, a hunger present in his face as he says to the group, My great-grandfather was working on some very important things indeed. It began many years ago, in fact. A message from the king himself. Everything fades, vanishes. You are in darkness. 
There is nothing here. Do I still have full control of my body, or is it just... Is it... You, you can, but there is no visible light for which to be able to see it. You feel that it is there, but when you look down, it's just... Okay. And at this point, uh, Dax starts talking to himself in, um, in his native tongue. It's all right. Find the path. It will lead you out or forward. Out or forward. Dak is going to take a few experimental steps forward. Does anything happen? You feel cold cobblestone underneath your feet. Does he have like his items with him? I don't know. You'll have to check. He's going to check for a torch. You feel around... And while you are wearing clothing, as you check your pockets and your robe, you don't seem to be carrying anything on you. Jack is going to take that information in and then extend his arms and focus and try to cast blessings to make a harmless shower of sparks. Nothing. It's no magic. Dak takes that into considers it. And then he shouts out out loud in his native tongue. Hello? In the distance. Impossible to say how far. A dim light glows. An ember. It hangs in the air. Somewhere. Follow the path. Don't be led astray by the other of us. And Dak is going to start moving towards that ember. You continue to hear and feel cobblestone beneath you. It produces its own small echoes. As you approach the light, you begin to take in a very small amount of space. That You're able to make out walls. And as you reach with your hand, you can feel indeed that they are there. 
you are in a small hallway made entirely of stone for or to see. The walls are slick and Moving closer to the ember, it reveals itself to be a torch mounted to the wall. Yeah, Dad considers that. And then he moves his hand up, not to the torch itself, but to the fire. And gets puts his hand closer to it. Do you touch the fire, or do you just put it close? He's testing to see if he can feel the fire. Or if the fire can affect him personally. God. You do not feel any heat as you bring your hands close. Um, nor does the fire illuminate your hand. So, like, most of the things here, my hand just goes through it. Are you, so you are actually reaching through to touch it? Or do we attempt uh, to touch it? If the fire doesn't hurt me, I'm going to try to touch the base of where the fire meets the torch. You reach forward and touch, and you feel to your surprise the base of the torch within your grasp but it feels wet like it's shifting beneath your fingers uh like clay back is going to grab hold of the torch and as he's holding it, he's going to say, in his name of tongue, of course, I do not know what is happening here, but you shall remain as you are, and you shall show me the path. I'm going to pull up the torch off the wall. Make a wisdom saving throw. <laughs> wisdom, the one thing I'm bad at. That's a 17. Inexplicably, you pull the torch and it pulls away with you, staying in your grasp. But as you move it across your vision, it leaves behind a smear in the air. You now hold the torch in your hand. And it continues to give off this gentle fire. Now, seeing the smear, uh, is it kind of like when you have the the aperture set really low on a camera at night and you're trying to record lights and you get that, like, residual light? Sort of the streaming effect? Yeah. It is exactly like that. Uh, um, almost, almost more blotched, but it is very much akin to that effect. As you move the torch, the, the light stays with the torch, but it also 
streaks behind in a trail that hangs in the air and stays there. Uh, a fit of childlike wonder hits Dak as he holds a torch in front of him and does a circle just to see it make a circle in front of him. It does. And uh, that raises his spirits just a little bit before he looks uh, towards the available path in front of him. You do. And someone walks towards you very quickly. A figure enshrouded in shadow walks out of the darkness, striding towards you. Uh, Dak takes a few steps back in surprise. Uh, so much so that he forgets to switch over back to Corvalian uh, Common and uh, says, Stop! Stop! The figure rushes towards you, getting right up next to you. Within seconds, they are upon you. Uh, arms to their side. You have only seconds to react, so what you see is it's difficult to process it so quickly. But the body is like it is wearing a suit, uh, like a petticoat in brown. But the suit is melted and degraded and has meshed with the skin. And as the person walks up to you and continues to walk by you, you catch their face in the glow of your torch, and the face is blank and smeared. There are no facial features, and where there would be eyes, there are only sockets that are empty and carved out. The figure rushes past you, saying nothing, continues down the other way, and disappears into darkness once again. And you are alone. Dak is going to stand there for a hot second, holding the torch, catching his breath. And then he's going to make a decision then and there and run after this figure. I need you to make another wisdom saving throw. That's an 18. You chase after this figure and eventually you catch up to them. Though it's impossible for you to determine how much time is actually. They continue to walk with purpose before going around a corner. And as they do, they are suddenly stopped in place. You hear the whispering of words. A language you don't understand. And a snap. The figure stops. And as you catch up to them, the world around you is rebuilding itself. The walls become more visible. The person, their clothing, becomes more defined. Uh, the face fills in, the eyes appearing, hair 
growing out and outward. Uh, brush strokes as the arms and the legs are now uh, fully covered in ornate garment. Uh, a aged gentleman stands before you, a blank look uh, of expression upon his face as he stands in the hallway, and you hear the murmured whispers. Uh, where before they were gibberish, uh, seemingly a language outside of your pedigree, they begin to become clear, and you can hear what the voice is saying. The proposal for the door on the northern side of the castle was your idea. Your children and your children's children will live and die believing that you came up with the idea for this passageway. You will not speak a word of it to anyone else. You will not tell any of your superiors, your subordinates, anyone. Your firm will disappear overnight if you, if you tell a soul of what you have done. This list of materials is exactly what you need. You will build the door exactly as you are contracted to, and you will do it with haste. Make it so. Uh, the gentleman, uh, looking blankly says, I will do all these things as you command. Uh, and the voice whispering says, very good, André Stubois. Your work will be very important in the future, but it must be kept secret for now. Secret for now. Yes. I will build a secret door on the northern wall of the castle. What will I tell my workers? What is it for? There is another snap of the fingers, and uh, Andres once again sort of snaps to attention. You will tell them that it is for the king, by order of the king. If any of them ask questions, you will relieve them of their duty. The door must be built. The future of the royal family depends on it. The door must be built. It will be done. You hear the snap again. And Andre seems to come out of a stupor. Whoa. Where, where am I? Goodness. Uh, and he goes around the corner. Uh, following close behind him, you turn the corner with him, and there's nobody there. Uh, Andre rushes down the path. And as you begin to follow him, the world around you bleeds and falls away once more. I need you to make one more wisdom saving. 
Oop, that wasn't. Well, I guess it doesn't matter. Uh, thirteen. Thirteen. You, for the briefest of moments, forget your name. Which, but one? as you remember it, it echoes in your mind. And as everything crumbles away from you, it is replaced. You see people gathered around you on either side. You see a long table uh, opposite of you. A short man uh, with a beard glances around nervously, sweating. And you see your friends on either side of you as all of you Blink your eyes in confusion and find yourselves back in the war. Vron speaks. Master Dubois, I apologize if it appears that I had summoned you here under false pretenses, but we must know all the information you can provide to us. Please, if there is anything you are withholding that is instrumental to this speak now Dak is going to evidently look side to side kind of recombobulate and see where he is uh everyone if you would like to make a uh this is going to be a dexterity check flat dexterity Flat decks. 24. 20. 14. Mine is also 24. For my dad, 20. <laughs> nice. uh, uh, you all blink as everything comes back into focus for you looking around. You feel, feel your arms, legs. The beating of your hearts, the mahogany wood of the table. You are real again. I'm real. Real boy. What was all that? Vron uh looks over to Caspian. Uh who's <laughs> There we go. Uh, uh, well, looks over focus to focus magnifier. Sorry. Yeah, you're good. Vron uh, looks over to Caspian uh, and says, "Make it quick." Uh, and Caspian uh, lifts up his hand and says, "We already did it. We just came back." Uh, in his hand, he holds a cylindrical silver device, broken. Uh, there is sort of something that looks like a black ink that is dripping from it. Uh, the middle of the device has shattered, and it sits broken in his head. We did it. Uh, Katsuri looks around. Did, did what? I don't, I don't understand. What, what do we... What are we referring to? What is this now? What's going on? Um, Caspian looks 
on either side to the rest of you. Everyone all right? Everyone here? Dak um, holds up one finger to like indicate to wait, but in Caspian's mind, uh, he hears Prince Caspian, how reliable was that technology? Um, he stuffs the remains of it into a pocket. First time it's ever been used in the field. Uh, and Nebic, sort of glancing over, kind of smirks under his, uh, kind of smirks and huffs uh, under his breath. You hear him say, well, there goes two years of research down the toilet. And still in Caspian's head, he hears, everything we saw was true. Those were memories. That's Caspian. Caswary's grandfather, a great great grandfather, did not make that the corridor. At least he did, but not under the reasons that he believes he did. Explain. This is all in the memory. Or in mm-hmm. the mind. Not said out loud. After everybody disappeared, after everybody went away, with, I saw more. It took me somewhere else, an older memory, something farther and farther away. I saw Andreas de Roy. I presume it to be his great-grandfather. I saw the, uh, Andreas de Roy be contracted by someone to make the secret door at the north side of the, of the castle. I heard that, that it was to be made for the king. But it did not sound like as if the king actually did commission it. Make an arcana check. I shall. Arcana. I don't know why I said that. Arcana check. Thirteen. Um, because I want you to be able to provide as much information as possible from this experience, uh, I think you would be able to recognize that the, the body language that Dubois showed, Mm -hmm. uh, you get the sense that Andreas Dubois' memory was being modified in that moment. Oh, shit. And that perhaps it has contributed to the failing structural integrity of the memory that you were occupying. And you can dig deeper. Mm -hmm. Because the memory that you were in before that belonged to Cassowary also showed these signs of decay and smearing and disorganization 
You're not a proficient spellcaster. You are not a master of the arcane. But the person speaking to Andreas Dubois emphasized that his descendants would know of the door. And it stands to reason that if Andreas Dubois could have his memory modified of the event, the same thing could be done to his children and to his grandchildren and to his great-grandchild, Cassowary. You believe as much as you can that you entered a modified memory inside of a modified memory. Wow. Okay. That's uh, level shit. That kind of trails off as he's coming to that realization before looking up at uh, Caspian. And still in the mind communication, it mm-hmm. says, Prince Caspian, is there spells that allow for the manipulation of memories of minds? Yes. The memories we saw, the decoration, that was not seen before, yes? I, it's hard for me to speak to it. I've, I've never, that was my first time engaging in that. Prince Caspian, believe me when I say this, that it is, it would appear as if those memories were not all, altogether true, or rather, some alteration that happened back with Alderaeus de Bois has transferred all the way down to his descendant, Casuari, regarding this door. If, if I have all the information from what I've seen, from what we, ta- we have seen, The Dubois family are, were led to believe that the door was being made for the family, for the royal family, and that they would know of the door. A memory charm passed along an entire genealogy. It would have to be very powerful magics. It would mean that whatever will through cast it on it would either have to be an Altavara demon or have some sort of house dragon mark that could potentially be so potent. Caspian addresses the room. Cassowary, and he looks up. Uh, yes, yes. Your great grandfather 
What was his name again? Uh, Cassowary sort of looks around. Oh, uh, I suppose I didn't, I didn't actually say, did I? Uh, Andreas. Andreas Dubois. Uh, mm-hmm. Caspian looks at you, Dak. Small Could you remind us again what your great-grandfather's stated purpose was for installing the door? Well, it's it's in the notes here. He was commissioned uh, by the king himself uh, to uh, to to uh, to construct this door on the northern side of the castle. Uh, but it was uh, only only select people were to be made aware of it, um, so that it could be used as a means of escape. Uh, and Caspian says, "You mentioned three before." as being part of that commission. Could you elaborate on that? Yes, I, I was... I, I was sort of trying to... It seemed to suggest that Three was the one who actually commissioned the door uh, initially. I, I do see his name here, though there's no signature from him uh, stating that he was the one to do so. Uh, that's strange. Normally with contracts like these, there's a signature in addition to the name. Um, very odd. Uh, Caspian looks to the rest of you. All of you saw the same room as I did. Right? Yes. Yes, we did. Correct. You saw the people that were in attendance. Correct. We did. Deck, the voice, the person who modified Andres Dubois' memory, could you recognize who the voice was? Um, it would, um, it would not be hard to do so. What are you thinking? If um, it presented with the voice, I do believe I might be able to know it. Interesting. I mean, so, this. At this point, I'm starting to go into everybody's minds to fill them in on the situation. <laughs> when you get to mine, it would just be the... Why don't you just say this? <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> so, Jack, you're saying if you were to be given a lineup of voices, basically, you would probably be able to pick out who exactly it was? Uh, I'm going to assume that this is in the mental link that I established when I... Were you saying the, if you were given the voice thing, if you're saying that out loud with that conversation with Caspian? Uh, because Caspian was speaking to me out loud, right? Dylan? Uh, yes. Okay, then yes. Okay, so then I'm just, I'm responding out loud. 
Okay. Uh, so you're you're saying that if you were to have voices to compare against, you would be able to to do so? Yes. Yes. Uh, As I say, how so- how long ago would this have been? How do we, Cassowary? How long how long ago was this commission made? Uh, this was this was under my my great uh, my great grandfather uh, multiple generations ago. Um, and again, if the memory was altered, I I, I would imagine we're looking at close to 150, 180 years ago. Caspian, who who would have been around still from then? Who that that we know of, like three would have would have been around, but I... who else? No, I don't even think three would be. You got to understand this. That length of time ago, that's that's clashing with before the Warforged had even been created and brought into military service. I three, as as far as we're aware of, three was not conscripted until within the last thirty, thirty-five years. I pull. Uh, if I you go recall, to the war ended not not that long ago. Yeah. What wasn't three's name on the the document though? Isn't that what we said? It was, but that doesn't make sense if the time matches up. The bigger I like Oh, go ahead. The uh, Dak. Bigger question, Dak, is I guess, did any of the voices that we heard within this flashback, sound familiar to you when you heard this voice? Mr. DM. Mm-hmm. Did the voices that we heard uh, <laughs> from either flashback sound familiar to one another? Common thread, I'd say. No. You you think for a moment maybe possibly the only person in the room to whom that voice could possibly be connected to would be Norak Landis. However, the voice you heard in the tunnel while carrying a bit of the same timber, the inflection was different. The... It... it sounded like him about as close as any older male may sound similar to other. We've We've heard well, who three doesn't say plotting coups had... can't be a familial affair. <laughs> We we've had conversations with three, correct? Yes. Uh, you all briefly met three within the castle itself. Uh, very briefly, and uh, Silva has also had the opportunity to meet three. Though um, you are all not aware of that, I don't think, if I remember correctly. I don't think Silva told us about that. No, but mostly because inevitably the conversation itself wasn't very important. But we inevitably all had were were around a conversation with three. That wasn't it wasn't short either when we were preparing to go into the woods. 
Yeah. So like the what, first set, what I, the woods. What, yeah, what what I think I am going to go ahead and do then is I'm actually going to use minor illusion. Um because you can use minor illusion to uh make a sound of someone else's voice. Mhm. And so I am going to use my illusion to replicate three saying Andre Dubois name. Okay. The room hears Andre Dubois. I look at Dak and was that anything? Dak concentrates. Was that anything, Mr. Deal? Uh, I'm going to be mean. Yep. Uh, History check. <laughs> no. Uh, we're gonna do memory check. Nah, this would be a perception. Brain, you Where's the brain skill that despite this fantastic disguise of being Caspian's son, I am still one eyed. Um, a perception is also auditory, it doesn't matter, it's a 17, nevertheless. <laughs> hey. mm. Andre Dubois, you think? You mustn't tell anyone, not a soul, Mr. Dubois. Andre Dubois, Dubois. Andre Dubois. The voice in the tunnel. Carried a slight downward uh, affliction to it. It's similar, but it's not exact. Is uh, would I be able to determine whether or not? The, first and foremost, is, does three take a breath whenever he speaks? No. Does this did this voice do so? Yes. Set. Uh, I'm gonna look at set. Shake my head and say, "If this not a match." Um. Uh, do we have any other ideas of people that we like? I I don't even know if it would be someone that we would have that we would know if it was that long ago. I mean, but if but if the memory we know the memory was altered if it couldn't have it could have been last week we don't know that if... <laughs> I mean def probably not now last week but I yeah I kind of you concur know a I mean, bit though. with Johannes I, I think it potentially kind of there essentially there are two routes there yes it is modified therefore it is entirely possible that it is a recency um and then this or the second potential or the the second realm that it could be around is inevitably the 
that this, you know, this plan, this attempt is multi-generational. Just because currently, seemingly, Norak was pushing in for this information, that doesn't mean that necessarily there couldn't be a a family member of past desiring something similar. Or nevertheless, maybe, just maybe, there is another party still at large in this. Inevitably, they are, those are the ones who are in control of three and the other Warforged and this conduit. And I hate to question this now, but over the, over the conversation we have been in breakdown we have been having here, I must ask, although the name, as Marshall needs to double check the name because I uh, am terrible memory. Okay, got it. I must ask, this is for the room as a whole. Mm-hmm. What does everyone in this room? Wait, it was say actually remind me who is in like of, of the people we know who is in this room. Of the people you know, yes, that we have met. Uh, yes, Cassowary, Caspian, Nebic. Uh, also in the room, though she hasn't said anything this entire time, is Deirdre. Uh, and you now know Ron, uh, I don't know about on good terms, but you now know Ron. (laughs) Right. Um, what does everyone know about what... Tyus called you has been getting into. Hmm. Because question comes into he was eerily suspicious about wanting to use his magic at his apartment. He then disappears momentarily within an attack on his apartment. We are then pushed into or we are then invited to this meeting or at least to go to the Velvet Curtain. Who else, as far as we know, has this magical capacity to create this arcanic conduit? As Silva says that, Set will kind of rub the wool again and do the same thing, but with Matthias's voice now. You all remember um actually sorry, let's we, we get let's get something out of the way first. Uh Marshall, do you have an uh inspiration right now? Man, do I? Let me find out. <laughs> uh no I don't. Uh go ahead and give yourself inspiration. Hey, huge big brains. Uh you all recall 
I didn't mean to rhyme there. Uh, <laughs> sitting in Matthias Caldrew's apartment. Uh, as he spoke to you and requested a trick from Set. You recall the uh, the effect of his voice, the timber, the pitch. Andre Dubois. Could you make this egg disappear? Andre Dubois. Disappear. Dubois. Disappear. One in the same. Oh! <laughs> Can't believe it! It was the wizard. <laughs> it was the wizard. We forget that this man is a thing. Because <laughs> like, I was distracted this by this the man who man. wants. I was distracted by the man who wants to instigate a coup. <laughs> yeah, we. I mean, I guess we were also distracted by a body flying through the window and then having to run away. And then I mean, just we being like, well, I guess he's gone. We don't have to worry we, about Matthias Calder anymore. Fair, we made no. To be fair. To be fair to ourselves, at one point, like before going to Velvet Curtain, we did like obviously make the note where like, you know what, like what the, what the fuck was up with that? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but like that was the big thing was that I think it was just because of probably the connection between you know, you know, Caspian kind of seemed to have like a just you know seemingly distant or or at least distinct relationship, or at least a positive one. You know, he was around, I believe he was around when, you know, you were being resurrected. I, it was, you know, there was that, like, inherent, you know, building of a of, of an ability to trust. But, uh... Yeah, you know who also has, who you know who also could very easily then have the ability to, you know, potentially disguise self, if you will? A wizard? <laughs> a wizard. <laughs> Uh, the minute uh, Dak realizes they were the same voice, he's not going to say anything out loud. He's going to instead look over to Caspian. And internally scream to send, but just send the scream to Caspian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just, uh, he doesn't shake his head in affirmation, but he does say, uh, say in his mind, that is the voice I heard. And I'm going to then repeat that sentence to the rest of the party. <laughs> Out loud or individually to each of our minds? Individually to each of your minds, because I can, I can only communicate with one person at a time. <laughs> Consistency. Jesus Christ. You've spoken out loud before, right? No, I said it in his mind. I'm just saying, in general, you've spoken out loud before, right? Yes, I have. character can speak, right? Yes. I'm starting to forget. (laughs) Dak doesn't understand or know who should know what information. So in this situation where information is more valuable at the moment... (laughs) 
He's going to defer to Caspian, who seems to know his way around this uh, politically charged area, and be like, hey, this is the information. Do with it what you will. I trust that you're going to do it to our benefit. <laughs> Dak had a scary day today. I, yeah. I think I think everybody's had <laughs> yeah, kind of a scary, scary day, day today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he he just watched the world melt for a little bit. <laughs> now it's uh... I watched all you fuckers melt. <laughs> I watched most of everyone else melt, okay? I was there with you for most of them. Yours was the weirdest. Because <laughs> I held on the longest before you. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah, so... I, th- I think we all kind of then just like look over to Caspian. This is complicated, suddenly. <laughs> Caspian takes both hands and places them on the table. Everyone in the room has their attention focused to him as he speaks. Yeah, real quick before he says anything, did anyone show like signs of recognition of Matthias's voice when it played? Oh, anyone outside of your group? Yeah, yeah, like the other people in the room. Did they show signs of recognizing the voice? Make an insight check, my dude. Uh, ten. Ten? Yeah. Nebic did. Yeah, he... We know Deirdre that... did. Yeah. Ooh. Hmm. Cast away or he did. Fraun did not... <laughs> <laughs> of the of the people that I expected with that role to see a reaction from, Vron was the one that I was like, yeah, I probably can't see shit from him. But interesting, both Deirdre and Cassowary. Well, I mean, Cassowary would have been because uh, Matthias was part of that group or whatever, so he yeah. would have probably known known him. But Deirdre knew Nebic had a relationship with him, so. Alright, what does Caspian say? Sorry for the tangent. Guards. We need you to take Cassowary Dubois and put him in chains. He is to be retained here at the King's Citadel until further notice. Under suspicion of an attempted assassination on the King's life. We believe that there is modification at play. Though he may not be fully guilty, his connection to the matter at hand is too severe for us to allow him to leave at this time. Arrest him. Uh, And at that, two of the guards swoop in on either side of Cassowary and take him by the arms and pull him back. Uh, He looks around frantically like, Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Explain what's happening. What's going on here? They won't harm you. This is a precaution. Has to be done. Uh, and Cassowary is dragged from the room. Uh, Vron looks to Caspian and says, I hope you know what you're doing. Caspian says, I don't. 
That's why you know you can trust me. Veron nods. We only have so much time before we need to enact our plan. All of you arrived rather late, so allow me to explain what the initial idea was. With the newly acquired information we have in regards to the hidden door in question, it would behoove us to use this information to our advantage. I believe that we can provide a distraction by approaching the castle from the southern gate. Now, we won't have everyone collect there. We'll send a few inf infantrymen to the western side as well. Our goal will be to divert attention away from the northern and eastern sides of the castle. Our goal is not to incite violence or to cause any rash decisions to be made on the Warforged's part, but only to keep their attention drawn to us. While you all access the castle through this hidden door, infiltrate from the inside, brief us from within, and if you can, Work to exfiltrate as many of the hostages from the castle as possible. For you to do that, however, you will all need to be at full strength. By my reckoning, there is just enough time. If you need, you may take a long rest here at the Citadel where you are safe. When you awake, we will enact the plan. The rest of my infantry need time to prepare. What say you? Are you willing to take on this mission for king and country? I think that's the only option. I'm in. Of course. Caspian looks to Veronica again. One more thing, Lordship. I believe we should call for the arrest of Norak Landis under the suspicion of treason towards the crown. Veron nods. If we can find him, it will be done. And speaking of done, that will be the end of tonight's session. <laughs> this session. <laughs> Next time we meet, you will all be able to take part in a full night's rest. Oh, without any issues. Yeah, sleepover. <laughs> and it will finally be time to enact the rescue mission upon Castle Broken Blade. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for playing. And remember, 
When an artist creates a portrait, it is within their control the vagueness or the sharpness of the features. It all depends on the stroke of a brush and how long it takes for the paint to dry. See you next time.